Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash bookshow. Then go over to morbidlybeautiful.com as we are now part of the Morbidly Beautiful Podcasting Network. Ladies and gentlemen, we interrupt our program of dance music to bring you a special bulletin. That's right, the sirens are sounding once again. Welcome back to the disaster. This is the All-American Spook Show. I'm, I'm Josh, and I'm joined here with Donnie. Yo. And the Professor Smoke. What's up? So far, we have survived uh, an attack on Tokyo <coughs> and the surrounding areas from uh, uh, Godzilla. We barely, somehow, we escaped Don't Look Up. I mean, and that was an epic disaster, right? I mean, it took out pretty much half the planet, at least, yeah. if not more. But, yeah. So now we're, it's appropriate that today we're here to uh, talk about Donnie's choice, which is the Book of Eli from 2010, because it's more of a post-apocalyptic, like the shit has already happened, and now this is the way, this is the wastelands afterwards, right? So <laughs> it's a, it's almost perfect, perfect uh, falling in line. Monster attack, epic uh, comet hits the Earth, and now this is we're dealing with the aftermath here in the Book of Eli. It's just kind of, we just stumble into these things. Quite coincidental. Yeah. We, trust me, we're not this clever. We're not this smart. <laughs> yeah. Any of these <laughs> things, they not. just happen. They just happen. But, uh, yeah. So that, that's what we're going to be talking about today. It's our, it's our first ever Denzel Washington movie. So there's that. So, yep. um, we've, we've already figured out there's a, a few first, uh, here in the spook show summer disaster. Like we, we did our first Lucio Fulci movie when we talked about zombie yep. over on YouTube and, um, yep. what was that? Grindhouse gutter, right? Yep. Um, yep. Donnie, you had to miss that one. You missed a good hate one. I hate I missed it. You I missed, hate I missed it. You missed it, a good one. Yeah. That was a really good one. We, we recommend you go hop over to the YouTube channel and go check that one out. So uh, Yeah, that's one we definitely get to on the show proper at some point down the road. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'll be looking forward to that one. Yeah. I may even nominate it myself. That that deserves <laughs> a proper, like, full podcast dive, episode. Yeah. And not just totally. the 10 or 15 minutes we give the stuff over on YouTube. But if you want to check that out, uh, we, we spent about 15 minutes or so talking about that one. So it was a, it's always a good time. And we, we encourage you of course, to check out all the stuff over on YouTube. You can get there by going to aaspookshow.com. That's probably the easiest and quickest way to send you uh, on all the different paths that you need to take here in the spook show universe. Because from there you can go to the YouTube channel. You can go to our past archive where what this is episode 165. There's 164 episodes in the archives for you to go check out. It's not like you have to listen to these things in a row, right? It's not, it's not like they're episodes in the sense of like, you have to listen to one to get to the other. But, uh, if, if, if you want to go listen to them and download them, we highly recommend it. Um, but you can also get to our Patreon from there. Also, patreon.com slash a spook show, however you want to do it. And from there, that's where you can find our crapster piece theater library. And this month, yeah. well, we got another, we got another doozy <laughs> lined up. It comes out on uh, what June thirtieth, so literally the last day of the month. We're we're holding that dump until the last <laughs> last possible minute. And uh, thank thankfully, I won last month's poll, so I don't even have to be there. It's going to be you guys watching disaster movie from whatever year that thing came out. Lucky mm. us, I guess. Yeah, 
Yeah. <laughs> At least that one is a comedy, right? So like True. they're purposefully, you know, doing so, yeah. 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 You kind of know what you're getting once you, you know, once you dive in. But. Was, it was part of that whole genre of spoof movies that, you know, it's always been around. Came like, and went. It, really. Well, it's always kind of been around like with airplane and stuff like that. But man, in the early, in the two thousands, I think it, God, man, it was, was like, there was a shit ton of them. And then it just, yeah, it was like, you, yeah. you'd have about at least five a year. It felt know? like it. There was a lot, but this is, this God, is part of it. So yeah. Yeah. Right. And a good many of them are were horror related, you know, because you had what scary movies. <laughs> scary movie, I would yeah. say there was like five and of those things. Another one too. Yeah. Uh, on something, I forget. I guess because haunted house. <laughs> I guess because horror kind of uh, you know lends itself to be made fun of a little bit more than certain other film genres, but for whatever reason, yeah, that's that's kind of the way it leans. But yeah, so we're gonna have that coming up at the end of the month. Lots of stuff. So go to aaspookshow.com to check all that out. But let's get back to the the to the disaster at hand. And here's the trailer for the book of Eli. Thirty winters ago, the war tore a hole in the sky. Only a few survived. Our only hope is in my hands. Take off the pack nice and slow. Put that hand on me again, you won't get it back. <laughs> Cursed be the ground for our sake. For out of the ground we were taken, and to the dust we shall return. I told you you weren't gonna get that back. This little town, just the beginning. All we need is that book. It's different than the others. You're not going to be able to make him do what you want him to do. This is your last chance. Give it up or I swear I'll bury you. I don't want any trouble. That's too bad. Nobody touches it but me. You understand me? I love this guy. Shoot him, please. Teach me. Put a crew together. We're going after them. Go back inside. <laughs> Close your eyes. It's not a book. It's not weapon. All right, so there, there you go. There's that. Now, I've seen this before, although it was all the way back. I think I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I saw this in theaters, so, and I haven't seen it since. Um, what about you guys? For me, it's the same, same, same predicament. I saw it in the theaters, and but haven't seen it since back then. Yeah, Kenny's a big uh, Denzel fan. Well, you know, so am I. But uh, we probably watched this. I know I've seen it a couple of times, and 
we've seen it probably a couple of times. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's still rewatchable for me. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. I mean, we'll get into our star ratings and all that stuff, but I was, um, there were certain things that I forgot about with this movie, mm-hmm. probably the biggest being the look of it, mm-hmm. you know, like the, the way it was shot yeah. and, and the, just that, the tone, the, the color tones and everything that they're yeah. using this, that I'd kind of forgot about that with this, but that, that was a pleasant kind of surprise going back. Yeah. And watching, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. This, this looks really cool. You know, even 13 yeah. years later, I, I think it holds up pretty well. Also, we should uh, give out the, uh, the what do you call it, the spoiler thing now. Because <laughs> yeah, there's some right. stuff we got to talk about in here that will, yeah. Yeah. early on yeah, even, that'll spoil stuff. So. Yeah, that's a good that's a good call. Uh, we, we are a spoiler-filled podcast, so if for whatever reason you haven't seen The Book of Eli, now is the time to hit pause. Go check it out. It's available in various places as of this recording. And um, come back and listen to the rest of this, because... I think no matter what our, our final star rating will be on this at the end, I, I think this is one that you, you should probably see. If you're a fan of Denzel Washington, for sure, you know, you probably are, you've probably already seen it. Yeah. Yeah. Post-apocalyptic, any of that type of stuff is your bag. You know, if you haven't seen it, you should definitely go check it out at least once. So yeah, that, with that out of the way, I guess, you know, we'll go ahead and get into some of the background uh, information. This, uh, I only found one alternative title. Most of them were just like some uh, translation of the book of Eli. The only other true alternate title that I could find was the English title in Japan is called the Walker. So mm. that, that's, that's not bad, right? I mean, I mean that's, bad. that's what, that's what they actually called him. Uh, that's what Carnegie and his men called him. Yeah. The Walker. So, yeah. But. Uh, the film premiered in Hollywood, California, January 11th, 2010, but it was actually released wide upon the world January 15th of 2010. Mm-hmm. It, of course, was produced by Alcon Entertainment and Silver Pictures and distributed by Warner Brothers Pictures. Uh, if you've ever watched this movie, you, you will understand the rating is rated R. There's no doubt about that. I mean, it's not, a, I wouldn't say, quote unquote, the hard R, right? But, you know, there's some scenes in here where, where there's some scenes yeah. in here where you're like, wow, holy shit, you know, at least uh, yeah. what two pretty pretty violent scenes that are that I recall off the top of, top of my head. Total runtime, one hour and 58 minutes, so it is a little long. On IMDb, it's listed as an action slash adventure slash drama. It's directed by the Hughes brothers, Albert Hughes and Alan Hughes. And it's yeah. written, written by Gary Whitta. And, of course, it stars, like we've mentioned, Denzel Washington. Uh, pretty Really good cast, though. Mila, Mila Kunis, yeah. uh, Ray Stevenson, who ironically just passed away like Couple within, of weeks ago, yeah, within the last month, Gary Oldman, Jennifer Beals, it's a, it's a Tom Waits is in it. I mean, it's an interesting cast, but it's a, it's a very good cast, I think. You know, and it, like I said, I think it oh, leads yeah. to it, it holding up all these years later. Gary Oldman was actually cast uh, at the suggestion of uh, Denzel. Gary Oldman just makes a great villain. You can't you, know, you can't go wrong putting that dude in your movie. I mean, like definitely not. And he, and he has been in some stinkers, but he's never bad in them. So when Eli, played by Denzel, he first sits in the room with uh, Carnegie, who, you know, plays, I'm sorry, Gary Oldman plays Carnegie, basically uh, imprisons him there. Uh, There's a poster of the movie. I didn't catch this at first. I had to go back and look at it. There's a poster for the movie A Boy and His Dog. Uh, from 1975. That's something that we don't have on the list. But the uh, that movie, A Boy and His Dog, uh, is recognized as one of the earliest uh, post-apocalyptic uh, movies. And 
inspired a lot of the you know dystopian uh, movies and video games. And uh, Don Johnson was in that too. Um, the budget, the budget for this movie was eighty million dollars, but it did go on to have a box office of one hundred and fifty-seven point one million. So it was mm-hmm. successful. It was filmed in New Mexico. Or at least parts of it were like out, uh, Carrizozo, New Mexico, outside of uh, Albuquerque, uh, and other, well, and and of course in Alcatraz, which you know, spoiler, once you get towards the end, that was actually at Alcatraz Prison, there in San Francisco Bay, and also parts in uh, New Mexico State Penitentiary in Santa Fe, New Mexico, and it was filmed from January twenty sixth of two thousand nine to May first. That weekend that it opened up, it made $32.7 million. Here, all right, so this is the top 10, the weekend that it came out. So this is the weekend of January 15th through the 17th, 2010. Here's the top 10. Number 10, Up in the Air. Number 9, The Blind Side. It was in its ninth week. Number 8, Leap Year. Number 7, It's Complicated. Number 6, in its opening weekend, The Spy Next Door. Number 5, Sherlock Holmes. That was in its fourth week. Number 4, Donnie, this is for you. Alvin and the Chipmunks, the Squeakwool. Yep. Yeah. Appreciate it. Wow, what a shitty year. The, uh, <laughs> the, only movie, the only movie of those that I ever even saw was Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> yeah. I remember liking that one, but none of the other ones, yeah, you're right, are jumping out. Uh, number three, The Lovely Bones. Number two in its, in its opening week, The Book of Eli. And like I said, it made $32.7 million that opening weekend. And number one in its fifth week, Avatar, the first one. It had already, in its oh. fifth week, it had already raked in almost $500 million at this point. So, yeah, it was still the uh, crown king. Avatar. And Avatar, I just saw I just saw the first Avatar right before we wanted to see the second Avatar. Oh, wow. Although, like, you know, that, that's a good opening weekend, 32.7. It just, it just walked mm-hmm. into a juggernaut. Literally, like, yeah. the biggest movie of all time it walked into. So, <laughs> for January, for a mid-January release, that's pretty damn good. I'll, you know, I'll say that. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. The management of this drive-in theater is happy to announce you can enjoy your favorite form of movie entertainment regardless of rain. No longer will it be necessary to let rain spoil your fun. Now you can keep your windshield clear and dry with a drizzle guard. Simply attach it to your windshield, and in a jiffy, you're enjoying the movie without constantly running your windshield wipers. For you listeners of the All-American Spook Show podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. So I hopped on audible.com and I just typed in the Book of Eli to see what will pop up. And nothing directly connected to this, but there are some things that with Eli, I guess, in the title. There's over a thousand results, by the way, Donnie. Just for mm-hmm. basically, I guess, Eli and book, I guess is what, <laughs> what, what pinged it. But we've got Eli by Bill Myers. This one is almost 12 hours long. I don't know what the hell that looks like. It looks cheap. I, I'll be honest with you. It looks like a cheap-ass book, but who knows, right? It might be good. Eli, A Ranger's Tale, Book One. Oh, good Lord, that means it's a whole series. By Mark Allen Idlehelt. <laughs> yeah, it's a Ranger's Tale series. And that one's about nine and a half hours long. And let's see. Uh, the Lost Girls, Blake Wilder, FBI Mystery Thriller, Book Six by Ellie Gray. That one's uh, a little over seven hours long. So I guess if any of that sounds familiar or sounds like it might float your boat, and you just want a free copy of it, go to audibletrial.com slash spookshow. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash spookshow for your free audio book. So now I'm going to kind of debut a little bit of a, a tweak to this this week, okay? This is normally where we go over to IMDb and we just click on plot summary and see what pops up. 
Well, we're going to continue to do that, but I'm going to add a, an extra wrinkle to it, Donnie. Mm. I think this is this could be pretty good because it could give us some interesting results. I'm just going to read the one-sentence synopsis on IMDb. A post-apocalyptic tale in which a lone man fights his way across America in order to protect a sacred book that holds the secrets to saving humankind. Simple enough, right? Well, what we're going to start doing here is I'm going to go... I, I've got chat GPT on my phone. AI. All right. we're, we're going to the future here, Smoke. We're going straight to the future. I like future. it. And we're, I'm just going to type in, explain the book of Eli and see, and see what it tells us. Now, I'm not going to read all this because, frankly, I typed it in and it's pretty long. Uh, I'm going to kind of skip the middle part here. But I think it's a pretty good explanation of it, though, considering that it's just... I just typed it in on, on a fucking AI app. This is a pretty good explanation of the movie. The Book of Eli is a post-apocalyptic film released in 2010. The story revolves around a man named Eli, played by Denzel Washington, who was on a mission to deliver a mysterious book to a safe location on the west coast of the United States. The setting is a desolate lawless world approximately 30 years after a catastrophic event has devastated the earth. Spoiler alert. The book Eli carries is actually a Bible and he believes it holds the key to humanity's salvation and the restoration of hope. As he travels through the dangerous wasteland, he encounters various obstacles and confronts both allies and enemies. Along the way, Eli meets a young woman named Solara portrayed by Mila Kunis who becomes his companion. Like I said, I'll skip the next couple paragraphs and I'll get to the end. The book of Eli explores themes of faith, hope, perseverance and the power of knowledge it presents a grim vision of a post-apocalyptic world and the links one man will go to to preserve something he believes can change humanity's fate so yeah uh, you know maybe we'll come up with some interesting uh some interest some interesting synopsis doing it that way because some of these ones worded on imdb suck but then again <laughs> some of that that's kind of some of the fun of it or uh good lord i spit that all up that is some of the fun of it, right? Is like listening to how bad they butcher these fucking uh, explanations of the movie. So maybe every once in a while we'll, we'll dip into that if it, but I felt that that was a pretty good explanation because really this movie in the end, right? It's all about faith, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's basically, I mean, different well, people involved. Yeah. So, I mean, I think yeah. that's, I think that's where you start right there is that this movie is, it's not exactly what you think it is. In a lot of ways, you know, like, yeah, it's a post-apocalyptic world. And I think you kind of gather that just from watching the trailer. Right. Mm. Yeah. But I, I remember back when I saw it, you know, 13 years ago, or whatever it was thinking that like, it kind of sold a, an end of the world action type of movie. And there are moments of that for sure. There's plenty of action in this movie, but it's not, it doesn't necessarily play out the way I felt it was going to play out, you know, in a good way though. Not, not necessarily that I was disappointed with it. It just, wasn't quite what I thought it would be with the whole uh, point of what he's trying to do, right? What Denzel's mm. character is trying to do here, Eli. And it really, it, 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 it not devolves, but it evolves into more of a faith story. The further along you get, it's not quite yeah, there's a, what I expected. True. Yeah. I remember thinking that when I first saw it too. And also, I mean, when I first saw it versus this time seeing it, I liked it a little better this time around. Not that I didn't like it the first time around, but it was just, it just, it didn't hit me as much. Yeah. You know, the first time around it wasn't, I didn't like it as much when I saw it in theaters. I just thought it was like, Oh, it's all right. And saw okay. Action or, you know, apocalyptic thing. But then you see it again and you know, you think about various things in it. But, um, I think one thing like you're talking about 
on the the faith angle and and religion and everything is is definitely different than your average Hollywood movie, especially in the two thousands, <laughs> where you know it's not like just shitting all over religion or whatever. It's not saying, you know, religion bad, atheism good or something. You know, it's it's a journey that each character goes through. And also, I think it talks about how religion is based. Like, it kind of breaks it down into three different versions. So you got you have the the war the post apocalyptic event itself is kind of explained as being possibly they don't say for sure but it said something along the lines of it being religion that caused it in other words like a holy war or something that yeah. that struck off the conflict that caused whatever happened and they don't even really say if it's a nuclear bomb or what something happened that i think the way uh eli described it was must have been some sort of nuclear weapon or some sort of weapon that ex that went off that caused a i don't know if it's a hole in the ozone layer but he's the way he described it was the sun poured in through this hole, through a hole or whatever, and then like burn the earth. I mean, yeah, that could I mean, be a metaphor. Just a nuclear kinda, bomb, right? Itself, or it could yeah, be. I mean, like, they never come right well, out and say this is what happened that led to this. It was more like, like you said, well, basically a hole in the ozone layer, and the sun has mostly made the the earth damn near uninhabitable. Well, they you know? they do mention that, uh, that was a flash you know, right? They say that. Yeah, the flash, but yeah. they they also said, um, you know, that they. They burned all the Bibles after the war, whatever war that was. And that was one of the questions I had as I was making my notes during it. With all the Bibles in the world, would he really have <laughs> the only one left? Right? Well, you know, but, all those Gideon Bibles and uh, yeah, all yeah, the like, exactly. right. hotel like, rooms. They, they had a shitload of hotels to go through to burn all those. Good <laughs> Lord. Every room not. I, I'd find it hard to believe. Now, granted, that then they go out of their way to explain how this might have happened. You know, like, well, because of this, like you said, holy war, whatever it was that happened, this war yeah. was fought at least in part over religion. Somebody, yeah. somebody, some force went through and basically burned every book they could, I guess, to kind of dumb everybody down, right? Like, well, you don't need books anymore. I guess that's the other part of it, too. Like, well, let's just, let's just take away all the books, everything. Yeah. Yeah, because books are like a, com a precious commodity, I think, in here, right? As yeah, far as them scavenging world. things, like like uh, for, uh, I can't remember, is Carnegie, is that his name? Car yeah. Uh, 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 Gary Oldman's character is Carnegie, yeah. He's he's sends his people out, to, of course, to get various things, but one of the things he always wants to bring back is books when he can when they can find them. So, yeah, yeah, I guess, like you said, they just destroyed a lot of books, I guess. Because basically, the only ones that, the, the way they paint it, is the basically the only ones that can read are the, the people that, were old enough to be around before all this shit happened, right? Mm -hmm. Pretty much everybody else is just surviving and, and, and illiterate. You know, they're just living. They don't care about such things. So these things have gone to the wayside and there's not very many books. And now the this guy wants to latch on to this, like, oh, if I can get my hands on the Bible, this can, this can, uh, I can contort this. You know, like some people unfortunately do, even as we speak, right? Like they take advantage of people's, you know, not necessarily their faith, but I guess they do take advantage of their faith. And that is something that like it has, faith is basically something you don't see, right? Like you believe in something that isn't tangible. It's not here in your hands. So yeah. he's going to pray on that. Like, unfortunately, some people do in real life and like, well, you know, I'm going to sell you hope and I'll be the only one that can deliver you kind of thing, you know? So this dude's basically wanting to set himself up as the Messiah in a, in an, in an illiterate world. Right. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. That brought me to the second line when I was talking about three things of religion in this movie, the first one being possibly starting the war. 
the second was that, like you said, Gary Oldman, Carnegie wanting to acquire the Bible to get power over yeah, to manipulate. the way he, over weak-minded people is the way he phrases it. Because yeah. I guess in this movie, he only has power over this town, what it seems like, right? He's only, yeah, he's, he just seems like a slumlord like, kind of, like he's like the dude that's, he's got enough sway in this town because of uh, his main, his, his left-hand man there, uh, what yeah. is it, Red Ridge? Yeah, because um, that guy's kind of yeah. yeah, Red Ridge is kind of his muscle, so he's able to strong arm this town. Yeah, and if he's like if he gets this Bible, he can have, hold sway over because yeah, the people will come from other towns to hear the word, so to speak. So he can you know gain power over them that way. Yeah, and then the third aspect of religion is of course what Eli represents, who is someone who's trying to protect the book per se, but trying to protect the word, uh, having faith. And using that faith in a in a way that's not uh, manipulative or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. almost not quite, but almost like a prophet, kind of right, a saint, a prophet. Yeah. It's kind of mm-hmm. what Eli is. Yeah, yeah, because he he kind of has that you know kind of hedge of protection, uh, so to speak, and, because Redridge tries to you know shoot him a couple of times and just has no effect. Now, what did you make of that? Did you think there was actually like the protect? the protection of, of, of God over him that was causing this? Or did you think uh, it was just a, a coincidence, poor shot? Kind <laughs> of, or, just I mean, a, or just a shitty post-apocalyptic gun, right? Like, I mean. <laughs> well, I mean, the way that I interpret it is, um, you know, he has basically what is believed to be the last no, the last known book. So, you know, as long as he is in possession of that, whether it's, you know, physical or, you know, in his in his mind, as we, you know, come to find out, um, he's protected in that right. Yeah. You know, so I I believe it maybe was divine intervention. You know, that's that, yeah. that's how I interpreted it. Yeah, that's what I think, too, as far as or at least I think that maybe the directors or writers, whatever. Leave it up to the person, I guess, to think. But I would say that, yeah, it was divine intervention. You know, but other people, like I said, might say, oh, it was a coincidence. Maybe, you know, he just missed and it went through this or that or whatever. But I think they leave it up, I guess, to however you interpret religion, maybe. But yeah, I would see it as divine intervention for him as he's a more righteous man, of course, than, uh, you know, than what's in the Carnegie. <laughs> you really yeah, you really you know, get that, something that, else. That, that devil angel thing too there with Eli and Carnegie, mm-hmm. right? Like you got yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what the uh you know what the good book says about eating hairless cats though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought yeah, that first scene that now that was an awesome opening scene. That was great, dude. That was great. Smile, but yeah, it's like, oh, especially shit. especially oh, in hindsight. It's even cooler in hindsight knowing that, you know, spoiler alert, like I said, as you get further along, you realize that Eli is blind. Yeah. Right, well, like see, that's one. the part I was going to say too. Well, we—I guess this is a good point to get to it because of the thing, the event that I mean, we've already talked about it being a spoiler filled podcast and all that. But yes, no, so another spoiler here, of course, the Bible that he is carrying is uh, Gary Oldman finds out is written in Braille. Yeah. <laughs> and then, so then you're led to believe, though, was he? I mean, that's what the, the the twist in the movie. One of the twists near the end is that okay, he finds this in his Braille, and then boom, you know, so he's blind the whole time. But then. I don't know though. Was it maybe he just can read Braille because it just seemed like it didn't seem like he was blind. Like he was looking at things. Well, looking for he was looking things. around. He was moving. You also on. have to have to think too that there's you know certain tiers to blindness. You know, there's legally blind, like 
you right. shouldn't be behind the wheel, you know. Yeah, like, but, like, like you can you can make out <laughs> shadows and you know things yeah. like that. That I mean that may be it, you know. But also, is does he have this this divine inter- intervention that's also protecting him? Is it also guiding his sword and his gun and you know his his aim? I didn't dwell on it too long, but what you said, yeah, I know. what you I said know. there, uh, you might be you might be right in the sense of like he might have been able to see early in the movie, and then maybe once you get towards the end there when he gets shot when Carnegie shoots Eli, yeah, and then he's basically left for dead without his sunglasses and everything like that. Maybe that was the final nail in the coffin of his sight. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, it. you could see it playing out in, in a couple of different ways there as far as like, was he able to see at the beginning versus the end? I think by the end, he was definitely blind because they, um, they did make it a point to like kind of zoom into his eyes and he had like the cataract looking dead eyes. But then the whole Braille thing, though, would come into play there. Like if he was able to see in the beginning, would he have even cared or known about reading Braille or not? <laughs> you know? Maybe it's because this is the only one. This is the only book, and maybe so he, he's you he know taught himself how to read Braille because yeah. he knows that this is literally the only copy on the planet, supposedly. And so this is a little deviation from that, but uh, what a great soundtrack! I've always loved a little soundtrack to this, uh, you know, from Al Green to uh, uh, you know just the the <laughs> yeah. other the and other the little thing <laughs> ring. Ring my bell by Anita Ward. I love this, I love that too because they put it on let me put on this old record on a phonograph and then you can ring my bell. You know, it's like what? <laughs> what the yeah, I thought that was it. Yeah, yeah, they have the phonograph from like the thirties. Yeah. Or twenties maybe yeah, yeah. But they have the seventies you know, records from the seventies and eighties, like they did they have they always you know I didn't think about it, I didn't dwell on it too much, but I mean yeah, yeah. now after the like, have they always just listened to modern records on? They just never bothered to buy a modern turntable. They yeah. just listen to them on this old. Well, also, well, that you, would work if, without electricity, if, right? If you look at their like when you know those old cannibals uh, bring out the, when she brings out the uh, the little tea set, mm. it looks like it's been like crushed and broken and then glued back together. Probably, yeah, because it, it's just all cracked up. I mean, it can just be old, you know, but. Um, I'd say it's probably both in, in this scenario. You know, it's old and it's yeah. been beat all to hell. Clearly, they make it a point to point out all throughout this movie that, like, small luxuries like that, that we all have and everybody's got it in their house and you take for granted, in this scenario, in this world, don't exist. Well, also... Shampoo um, and taking a KFC wet nap bath. And stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, Eli actually mentions that to... Uh, uh, to Solara, he says, you know, well, she asked how the old world was. Yeah. And he was like, well, you know, we threw away things that people would kill other people for now. Yeah. You know, and, and in that shitty world, he's probably, you know, I could see that, you know, in this yeah. world that has played out. Oh, KFC wet naps as currency. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Like, he, they show him taking a bath with it. So you, you, yeah. you can see like, well, you know, okay, you know, this is a really mm-hmm. shitty world. You get, you get, you gather that real quick from the killing yeah. the hairless cat and having to eat a, de- a cat to taking a bath with a wet nap, you know, like, yeah, this is a shitty world. Like yeah. you learn that in the first 10 minutes. And then when yeah. he goes to the, for lack of a better, whatever that guy was, the junker, the pawn shop guy, whatever he was, 
Oh and then yeah. He, he trades it out. He trades out like three or four wet naps and, and a Zippo. Uh, yeah, and a Zippo for uh, you know, for currency basically. Yeah, it was basically uh yeah, some cuz he needed to charge his iPod. Yeah. <laughs> Hilarious. Um, I do like the well, yeah, I do like the subtle advertising in this movie though cuz you got the, the Beats, the Beats by Dre, like it's yeah. pretty clear it's Beats, mm-hmm. iPod, uh there was one shot where he's standing on top of the bridge, I think, and it looks down, and there's a bush beer truck, like yeah. plain as day. Like this is the only the thing re- in this in this god awful desert ridden world that didn't fade is this bush beer truck. I think. Do you think was it advertise? Was it dollars for advertising? Yes. Did they? Did they I, I assume they got some dollars from advertising, maybe, but. Yeah, I'm sure because the bush, like you said, the bush truck, everything's sepia tone because of it being post-apocalyptic yeah. Yeah. atmosphere, I guess, being the way it is. But that bush truck and the red of the KFC napkins was pretty visible. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's KFC, true. Yeah. yeah. And the other, what was the other product place? Oh, the Apple, his iPod. But I mean, I don't, yeah. But well, there was I, a car. I, I remember distinctly his his head, his earbuds. Like you could see the Beats, you know, the Dre Beats logo inside yeah. of it. Smoke, you're right. Yeah, one of the, uh, I guess the. What do you call them, marauders? I don't, I don't know. Um, yeah, one of their, uh, um, one of Carnegie's men was uh, uh, driving a GMC, uh, yeah. GMC truck or you know something. Um, but back to the, um, I guess the first fight scene with the uh, uh, the road robbers. Mm-hmm. He, you know, Eli cuts off the hijacker's hand. Yeah, and then uh, takes out the rest and. This this to me was awesome. Just the yeah. uh, the silhouette fight scene. Oh, that I love awesome. I love that too. When like uh, he when he kind of backs up into the shadows. Oh yeah, he's got the sword out and he just kind of backs up. Yeah, and then, and then they all awesome. come at him and he just lays them. He just lays waste. Two really nice. cool scenes like that. The with the the road robbers, you know that gang on the road, and then uh, the gang at the bar when the when, oh, yeah. when the one guy's giving him shit and he kind of makes him eat the. Uh, the bar counter, the bar top, and then yeah. the, all the dudes gang up on him. Yeah, I mean he's just mowing them down left and right. Yeah, I don't think, but but uh, Eli's not that big a fan of cats, apparently. Because <laughs> <laughs> cat? like he jumped up on the bar and he's like he kind of hissed or what? No, I don't know. I can't remember if he hissed before or after he like tried to push him away. <laughs> he's like like he pushed him off think, the bar. So I, I didn't think about that until you just pointed that out. But like you know, the cat kind of looks at him and hisses, right? It's probably yeah. it's probably because the cat knows he just ate a fucking cat, right? Like, think about it. <laughs> and then he say something like he's got he had cat grease or cat oil or something to like put yeah, on his yeah. lips. I well, assume that's yeah. why he killed the well, he killed the cat for food too, probably well, but also I'm sure as an added bonus cat oil. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He mentioned that to uh, Tom Waits's uh, character, the shop owner mm-hmm. or the engineer yeah. or whatever his, whatever he was. He's like, yeah, I got cat oil. He's like, cat oil? No. <laughs> He's like, no. I bet you, I bet you anything. That's why the cat hissed at him, though. Because like, oh, this dude kills cats. You know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, but and, it, talk about the fight scenes too. That and you know, then there's of course the one big one in the house with the the old with cannibals the gun tearing the house up and the bazookas oh, yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah. But uh, I think the reason why the action scenes were kind of the way they were, and I can't remember the dude's name right now, but the guy that wrote the movie, well. Maybe co-wrote it, but I don't know if the Hughes brothers wrote it as well. But one of the guys on the script was a uh, uh, had currently worked before that previously worked at writing video games and stuff. Ah. Some scripts and things for the video game yeah, title. G- Gary Widow was the only one uh, that yeah. got a writing credit on this. It was written by. Uh, him. Okay. Must have been him. Then it had previously worked with a video game 
stuff, you know, so might be another reason why some of the action scenes were the way they were, well, you know, because they kind of do play out that way. By the way, we, we, we don't often, we don't always mention, we should probably get better about mentioning cinematographers, but we, uh, in this case, I think they need to be mentioned. The director of photography was Don Burgess because I think this was really well shot. And the, oh, yeah. the editing totally. was by Cindy Malo. I mean, b- both of those just great, great work on this, you know, as far as the look of it, for sure. And, and the way it, the way it came out in the end. Yeah, that, that's two different, I mean, that's two good um, positions on a film that will, that can make a film. If I'm not saying this one has a lousy script or anything, but I'm just saying, if you have a movie with a lousy script, if you've got a good cinematographer and a good editor, you can put something together. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, just look at some of the Italian films that are, you know, oh, God. <laughs> Italian films and stuff like that. If nothing else, script-wise, they might not, it might not be there, but when yeah, they get I, a good, and te- Italians are always good at technical aspects of filmmaking, Except they usually have you know, except, for, ed- except for editing. Eh, eh. Now, granted, <laughs> granted for the time, right? Cinematography yeah. is always on point. Editing, eh, not so much, but that might be more of a, a byproduct of the shitty script, too. So, 50 <laughs> 50. Um, yeah. So, I, I mean, really, was there anything else you guys wanted to? Well, I guess we could talk about the old cannibal shoot off, right? <laughs> that was awesome. They had yeah. a whole arsenal in their pullout couch. He's like, you got a gun. Do we got a gun? And he's got like, yeah, he pulls up the couch cushions and like he's got a whole weapons cache under there. That was great. <laughs> but they do get mowed down pretty quickly though. Like the, the the old woman, like she pretty much goes down right away. And then at least he, the old man, he went down fighting a little bit. But yeah, so basically RPG tape took her out. They were they basically had uh, they were going to eat him right? Like yeah, because <laughs> that's that's what they did uh, previous to because. Uh, Right before, I guess, uh, right, I think it was right before, I'm sorry, it was after they brought him out tea. And because um, the old lady was shaken. And yeah. uh, they're. Um, he quickly, note, like, yeah, they're going to. They're cannibals. Yeah. They're, they're cannibals. She's got yeah. the shakes from. And they show him the, uh, you know, the previous, the previous people. Well, like the old man, uh, he says, come here, I want to show you something. She's like, no, not now. And then. Um, yeah, not yet. Yeah, she takes him. Takes yeah, yeah. they take him out there, and you know it's freaking graves. Yeah, that that He's is like, one yeah, aspect you always kind of kinda forget in these end of the world movies stories that like there definitely would be people eating people, right? Like mm-hmm. that that oh, would, yeah, that the, is legit. Like that would happen. Animals. Yeah, there would there would be fucking people like that that you would have to watch out for at all times that are just like ready to. Kill you and eat you. <laughs> yep. There was one more really good scene when Solara finally like gets captured. That no, that's when they take when they shoot Eli and they yeah. take the book. He's left for dead, and they take Solara. How how she gets out of that was a pretty good scene. Yeah, she, she, took, just, she just turns into a badass, like flips the switch, and then bam. Yeah, straight she what strangles the dude that's driving, makes that flip. Meanwhile, Eli's sword stabs uh, Red Ridge. Yeah, right in the in the flip. So he's out, yeah, because he's pretty much out. Owned it on the count on the uh, he threw it on the dashboard right in the scene before that, right before she strangles yeah. the guy. She, he just threw it up on the dashboard. So I guess when the t- truck took a tumble, it came off the dashboard. And, like that went right through him. him. Then she rolls out, grabs a grenade, and throws it up underneath the uh, you know one of the three cars. So takes that yeah. one out. And then basically they're like, "Fuck, it, we don't need her, fucker." And then they just take off. No, not knowing that that was the biggest mistake that they made the entire movie. 
Yep. Yeah. Because she goes back, saves Eli, and then they just continue to go west. And by west, all the way, but almost as far as you can pretty much walk, right? Because they go all the way, they end up at Alcatraz. So basically, they walk all the way to San Francisco, then have to take a boat. I thought that was kind of shitty, though, that Solara made Eli paddle the boat. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, he's already, like, kind of halfway shot and dying. Yeah, he's dying. He's like, all right. Dying. <laughs> Meanwhile, she's just, like, cool with him <laughs> rowing the boat over to fucking Alcatraz. Not like she's not capable. We, we saw her strangle a dude and uh, get yeah. out of an overturned, flipped over truck, throw a grenade under another truck. So she's very uh, physically capable of things. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. <laughs> Just sit here while you. <laughs> and then finally, like he's like he's about to. It looks like he's about to die right there in the boat. So, oh, I'll take the oars, you know. And then she, she paddles him the rest of the way. Thanks. That was cool oh, when, when they tried to drop when they tried to walk across the. Uh, was that what do they call the uh, Golden Gate Bridge? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or they were driving. They had drove to that point. I, I forgot about that. They, they the car that they had taken there from the the showdown. They they drove it to that far. They literally got on the Golden Gate Bridge, and then of course the bridge had caved in in the middle of it, so they had to walk from there. But who drove? Did she drive? Yeah, she drove. Yeah, she drove. I mean, he's blind. You know, well, he's blind. Yeah, well true. <laughs> <laughs> who drove? That was. That's why I was out there with I was his, that. You know, I don't stick. showing them as being blind. Those scenes. That's yeah. why I still. I still don't think he was blind. <laughs> Who drove? That 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 definitely would have threw more into doubt if whether he was. When did he become blind? If this <laughs> motherfucker is driving a car. <laughs> oh man. Well, you know it's possible. Haven't Wait. you seen seen no evil, hear no evil it's with not, uh, Richard Pryor not, and? Yeah. <laughs> Shit. You know it's not the dumbest thing. He did paddle a boat, right? He's blind. I mean. <laughs> well, she probably pointed him. You're going the wrong way. Paddle that way. <laughs> Oh, okay. Can you imagine the aggravation of just like, no, no, you're going left, no, right, no, left, no, right, no. And that's why she's like, just give me the moors. I'm going to battle. Yeah, fuck, fuck, give me the oars, you half-dead asshole. <laughs> that is another aspect, too, when they finally get to Alcatraz and, like, basically he recites the Bible, right? Like, he has read this book pretty much every day for 30 years, give or take, right? So... Basically, he has memorized the Bible, and that's the miracle, I guess, quote-unquote miracle part of it, is that like he's able to, before he dies, recite the entire Bible word for word. The only thing that got me here, like, okay, that's a little unbelievable, but all right, taking into account divine intervention and all that, right? All right, I'll let it go. Wouldn't they have tried to help him live once he arrived at this? Because this seems like a place where, like, well, they've kind of got their shit together. There's probably a doctor. sort of like the... There's probably a doctor there or something, right, to help, to help him out, or or it's, is he or is he too far gone? It's like the Noah's Ark of resources, basically. You know, uh, a, I mean, it's an but then the again, library. you know, so, it's a it's an end of the world library is what it, that's what they've turned Alcatraz into, and it, so, you know, and if you think about it, it's a smart place for something like that because it's a fortified. You know, there's not going to be many places left that would be that fortified, right? You would think that. You could protect such a thing in deep in a vault or something inside of Alcatraz. So, mm. I just find it. I found that part a little like okay. Like, wouldn't somebody try to help him? No, they just shaved him. <laughs> they shaved him they and shaved like him, all put, right, put a white prepared. robe on I mean, him. He was gonna die anyway, right? Right? 
that's, I mean, I'm, yeah, I mean, I think I guess I'm that's thinking what that was his with. purpose. Yeah, well, it was, it was. But you, they should have at least put a little scene in there where, like, they're trying to bandage him up. They're trying to help him, right? Yeah. All they showed mm-hmm. is them shaving him, and he's laying there on a couch in a white robe, looking like a monk or something, as mm-hmm. as he's reciting the Bible. Meanwhile, wouldn't there have been another way to do that? Even in this shit hell world, wouldn't there have been an <laughs> uh, an easier way to than just one dude writing? <laughs> How long would that have taken? Ask uh, Chat GBT. See what yeah, it. Let's uh, see, let's see what it's. <laughs> I mean, how long would it take one person to write to? Uh, how long? What do you call that? You re- relay to, something to somebody else to write. To uh, notation. Like, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> how long would it take to write the Bible? That's the question. Yeah, let me ask. Let me ask Chat GBT. <laughs> because I mean, he's dying. Once again, part of the miracle, divine intervention, right? But he's dying, and he's still and the Bible's not a short book by any means. No. <laughs> I ain't gonna say it's the longest book in the world, but it's got to be up there, right? Yeah, I mean, if you, yeah, if you, and most Bibles are printed with pretty small print and everything, and they get it down to about, I don't know, what about right. four hundred. Quick summary. Uh-huh, okay. Yeah, quick summary. Oh. Uh, the right <laughs> Chat GBT says the uh, uh, the writing of the Bible spans centuries, making it it challenging to provide a precise time frame for its completion. So, yeah. Getting the question you're trying to ask it, I guess. Huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, it, that's tough. I mean, that that's tough to quantify. I get it, but yeah, that doesn't seem like it would be something that could be done in a couple of days, At, right? Like if he's just spouting it off and there's one, basically one dude writing everything he says, that would take weeks. <laughs> yeah. Weeks. Well, regardless, be a long time. I think I think by and large, yeah. though, in the end, outside of all of our silly questions, I think it's <laughs> I think it's a, a it's a well done movie. Oh yeah. And uh let's see let's see where we all lie with it with our star rating. So Donnie, you you're the one that uh recommended it, so we'll let you go first. What's your what's your star rating? Oh man, you know, I just I love the look and uh you know the feel of it. You know, uh it it really just for me, yeah, it's two hours, but you know, it's a action movie. It's it goes pretty quick. Um you know, it doesn't really feel like uh, like it drags a whole lot to me, at least. Um, definitely rewatchable. You know, my um, my you know star rating. If if I want to see it again, it's got to at least be three stars. It's definitely that for me. Um, you know, <laughs> a lot of the um, I guess interpretation is you know subjective, yeah. um, but. You know, I, I'm right at, and I may I may change this rating, but uh, I I really enjoy this movie. I you know I've seen it a few times. Uh, I could watch it a few more times, but you know uh, it'll probably be at least a couple of years before I rewatch this again. But I'm I'm going to go three and a half. Smoke, what do you say? Yeah, like I said, that's a, this is the second time I've seen it, and the first time was back when it originally came out in theaters. And like, as I also said before, I liked it a little bit better this time around than I did back then. I think, as we've all talked about, the cinematography is great, the editing is great, the storyline is okay. It's just it's serviceable. I mean, it's generally what you expect. I mean, well, but with the added thing of religion playing a uh, key role in there, outside of that, everything else is as you would expect from a post-apocalyptic movie. Of you get your you know cannibals, you get 
you know, violent action of some sort. You you have your lone warrior type, you know, which that's generally like Mad Max and you know, whatever. You have a you have those sort of staples from post apocalyptic movies. And I think that anybody who likes post apocalyptic movies is gonna enjoy this to some degree. No matter what, you know, I mean just because of it being well done that way, the look of it, cinematography and all that stuff. So I'll go two and three quarter stars on it for for me. I think it's like I said, I like I like the aspect of religion being thrown in there and the various three forms uh, that it takes shape and of like uh, possibly starting the war that killed off everybody. And then like you got Gary Oldman using it for his advantage. And then you got Eli who's sort of the, like I said, maybe prophet or, you know, the, the character who's the most righteous, I guess you'd say of the characters in the movie. He's, he's the good guy, obviously good guy of the movie, but how that plays a part in the whole movie, I thought was interesting. That's probably the most original aspect of it is that is that dichotomy of religion and how it plays out in the movie. And uh, so, yeah, two and three quarters. I can't really add much to what you guys have said. I mean, I I think I agree with both of you in different ways. Um, I'm going to give it three stars. It's a solid flick. Um, This is only the second time I've seen it, you know, since it came out 13 years ago. So it's not one that I would watch often or anything, but I would watch this again one day. I love the look of it. It's well shot, well put together. Uh, if, If anything, the writing lacks a little bit and there are certain, it doesn't drag too much, but there are, there's, pro- there's probably 10 or 15 minutes you could probably cut out of this to tighten it up just a little bit. The action scenes are great. You don't get a lot of them, right? But like those three or four pretty good action sequences that you get are really, really top-notch stuff. So um, I, I think for that, it deserves three stars for me. So that's where we'll leave it for now. Right now, the consensus is at just over three stars overall from uh, the three of us. So I, I guess we'll go with that. So uh, Donnie? Connections from the crates. <laughs> mm-hmm. Let him finish. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, uh, you know, not exactly a horror movie, but uh, well, it's not a horror mo- movie at all. But no. here we are in uh, summer disaster. But um, uh, what we do here, if you're just joining us, we do uh, the, um, or if this is your first stop um so what we do with the crypt connections we connect the current movie episode by any cast or crew connections uh to past book show episodes and for the book of eli we don't have any cast connections at all uh which is kind of surprising but um you know big cast will probably uh connect you know future movies back to this one um but on the crew side, we've got uh, makeup effects legend uh, Howard Berger. Um, dates back to when we did The Green Inferno, mm. Annabelle, Josh's favorite, House of Wax. No, fuck him. <laughs> Invasion USA, Dr. Giggles, and Evil Dead 2. So lots of connections um, him. Oh, yeah. And also... Um, Howard Berger is a longtime collaborator with Greg Nicotero, uh, who also did this, uh, did, you know, um, the book of Eli, along with all of the previous one, ones that uh, Howard Berger did, uh, except for House of Wax. So he was able to dodge that bullet. <laughs> now, you know, my beef with House of Wax wasn't that aspect of it. So I'll mm. give him that. It wasn't his yeah. work that I had a beef with. It was everything else. Yeah. So, yeah, there we go. <laughs> Yeah, right. I can't remember who's the B. 
the KNB, there's KNB effects, and that's yeah, uh, KNB effects. And uh, I can't remember who the the other the burger. I don't burger. know. Uh, I mean, I was it uh, Howard Burger and uh, well, Burger and Nicotero. Uh, I don't know who the uh, who the K is, but crazy. I can't remember either. <laughs> crazy with a K. We'll go with that. Is with a K. Um. Will isn't here for a kill count, although the, the number on this would be could be anywhere from, say, a few dozen that you see on film all the way up to the world's population. However you <laughs> want to look at it, right? It could be either way. But let's talk about the kill reel. I like kill. As Donnie mentioned, this isn't a horror movie, but I think there's enough violence here. To, to squeeze out a, a highlight kill and a gore score from it. So I don't think there's necessarily one kill to say, holy shit, that's the one. But I think that I'm going to go with necessarily a kill scene is the first time that Eli goes off on that road gang and he, yeah. dips, in, and he dips into the shadows with the sword and all that shit. Like that is just an awesome scene. It's one of those, yeah. it's one of the scenes that you take away and remember years down the road from this movie. Yeah. So I'm going to say the highlight kill is a scene in this one, that particular road gang, Eli taking them out scene. So with that. Gore score. Yeah. Like I said, there's a lot, there's a, quite a bit of violence, uh, outright gore. There's a few scenes, uh, and it, the, the best one I thought took place in that same scene you were talking about at the beginning. Uh, the main, the, the first, well, I guess the main street gang member leader of that particular group where he comes up and uh, he's like messing with the eye and he's like touching him or he's pushing him or whatever. And he goes like, he's like, don't, I'm not going to tell you again, don't put your hands on me. Are you not going to come? Are you not going to have a hand or something like, or whatever it was he said to him, you know, exactly. And then the guy's like, yeah, okay, whatever. And he touches him again. And then he chops his hand off. (laughs) That was an awesome scene. I like that too, where he like starts talking backwards or weird or something like that. Because he's in shock, he's like, he says, uh, "Kiss him" or something like that, and then they're like, yeah, "He says kiss they're him." They're just like, like "Huh?" <laughs> oh, he's in shock. He, like, he may kill me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And that's when he dips into the shadows, and then they come in and they take them all out. Yeah, great scene. But as far as gore, score outright gore, though, you know, you see blood from his his uh, machete. I guess you call it a machete of sorts. I mean, it's very stylized, cool looking machete or whatever, but or some or a short sword or whatever. Uh, you see blood from that, you know, as he's stabbing him and pulling out, you see the blood splatter in the shadows because of that scene, the way that scene was shot, which is cool. Uh, and there's other, some of the other fight scenes, you see the same sort of thing. The the outright gore would be when he lopped the guy's hand off. I thought that was probably the glorious aspect of the movie. Uh, and I can't remember if there, and you know, he smashes the guy's face into the bar and the guy's got a busted nose. And then, uh, the aftermath of the cannibal family (laughs) who's fighting alongside Eli and, uh, Solara. Uh, it seems the there wife. was one there where like so, gets, the, one of the cars or something blows up and there's a guy that kind of blows apart and flies toward the screen. Yeah. I yeah. want to say it was during so, yeah, the there's same. some scenes like that of some gore. Yeah. It's not outright super gory movie. It's not supposed to be. Oh, one thing that I thought they, <laughs> they, they, they weren't, they would, it would have been really out of place, but some sort of cannibalism in the movie because of what's going on. And a lot of times you will get a little bit of that in some of these post-apocalyptic movies of, you know, I'm not saying like straight up cannibal Holocaust gore or something like that, but usually, you know, so a lot of times there'll be some kind of scenes of uh, a cannibal aspect of it or whatever. But that, that for this particular movie, it wasn't about that. So that really would have taken it, you out of this film if they had shown 
something that their family had done before yeah. they got there or whatever, you know, it just wouldn't have, it wouldn't have fit the movie context. But uh, the gore that is on offer here, I'd say it's probably on i I'd give it, and just the outright, you know, the level of violence, I'd say five at least. Yeah. yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, cause it's there. There's not a lot of it, but when you see it, it's like, you know, it's there. It, yeah. it, it earns the R rating for sure. Cause I don't even think there was no nudity or anything like that in it. Right at all and i don't even uh, remember a lot of I really, yeah i, was I mean maybe that. i'm sure there was some there but i don't remember it being over the top with the language so it's it's uh, mostly just from those few scenes of you know violence there so so yeah there we go that's uh that's the book of eli uh so the usual aggregates we've got uh, uh imdb gives it 6.8 out of 10 stars uh metacritic or the meta score is 53 you know that's out of 100 and uh, over on Rotten Tomatoes, the tomato meter is not kind, 47%. And the audience score is 64%, so a little better there. So I think overall, you, you know, you come to a conclusion. Like, we probably liked it a little bit more than uh, critics. Probably were more in line with the audience score on this one. I, I think this is one, like Smoke, you may have mentioned it off the top, that like you probably look more favorably on it now than you would have 13 years ago. And I, and I think I agree with that. Like, I think I enjoyed this, this viewing sitting down and watching this today than I did 13 years ago. So maybe it's one of those, oh, yeah. maybe it's one of those movies that needs a, you know, if you've seen it before, go check it out again. Maybe it needs another viewing, you know, with a little bit of time and seasoning. Uh, yeah. And I don't know. I don't know what that says for the more modern era of movies that we go into. <laughs> I know for me personally, it's like the more, we get into the current era crop of movies coming out, the more I appreciate movies that came out from the earlier part of the 2000s. Yeah. Uh, to a degree. Yes, I, I agree. I mean, there's still some stinkers there, you know, but we haven't done a lot of them. Oh, <laughs> I think we've done, a good, we, we've done a good job yeah. of avoiding them. How about that? So, <laughs> um, yeah, anyways. Yeah. So there you go. That's, uh, that's the book of Eli. So next up next week, uh, we're going to be doing episode 166. We're going to revisit Colt Corner, and that's going to be Doctor Strangelove. Or, what, how, how, <laughs> this is like a, a damn book of a title Doctor Strangelove, or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb. This is from 1964. And we, and we also get to revisit the work of uh, Stanley Kubrick. So mm-hmm. he rarely disappoints, right? So we're, we're looking forward to that. IMDb synopsis. An insane American general orders a bombing attack on the Soviet Union, triggering a path to nuclear holocaust that a war room full of politicians and generals frantically tries to stop. So, uh, yeah, I, I think I think we're going to uh, th- this will be one that, you know, maybe maybe not quite as polarizing as what we did last week. Don't look up, but there are some similar themes to that one. And we'll, we'll discuss that next week when we talk about Dr. Strangelove. So I'm looking forward to that. Lots of cool stuff coming up throughout the summer all the way to August 21st when we wrap up the Spook Show Summer Disaster. But we got lots of cool stuff. If you want to hear the whole slate of stuff, go back in the archives and listen to episode 162. That was the Summer Disaster preview episode where we pretty much lay everything out for you. So that that will uh, catch you up on what the slate, the upcoming slate is going to be. And we also encourage you to go over to our YouTube channel through aaspookshow.com. Check out uh, the latest Grindhouse Gutter, Zombie. That's out there now. Uh, also, uh, video vortex, uh, the latest one is coming out and I'm blanking on what it is. Anybody remember? Video vortex, it was cruel jaws, right? Cruel jaws. Yeah. How could I forget? 
Yeah. I just, <laughs> I just had a moment there. But yeah, cruel jaw. So lots of cool stuff. Patreon, aaspookshow.com. Um, that's pretty much it. So for Will, couldn't be with us. Donnie, Professor Smoke. I'm Josh. We are the All American Spook Show, and we'll talk to you next week for Dr. Strange Love. So goodbye, everybody. And remember, please, for the next day or so, the terrible lesson you learned tonight.